Matt, we didn't talk about this, but when we were flipping tires, the Holy Spirit showed me a picture because I didn't know you when you walked out that you were even doing that as a first fruit offering. Is that true? Yeah, he showed me when I first saw you. He said, um, uh, I'm going to reward him for this. First fruits is not just finances. Uh, our family night at home is Monday nights, which I know some people in here say, well, that's not the first day of the week. For my week, it is. And uh, we give them, it's not just finances. We get Monday nights. Uh, on Mondays, I've been doing my hardest physical exercise. The father loves us, but he has principles he's not going to change on. He, does, he wants to be first. He, I mean, really wants to be first. I have uh, some words that I got in worship this morning in the second service that I want to share. These are words of knowledge, as First Corinthians teaches. Uh, when I walked out this morning, my wife uh, said, what do you think about the shirt I was wearing? And the answer is always, I think it's absolutely perfect. And, but then when I saw her this morning, she had on a red jacket. And uh, you're not going to like this, but can you stand up for a second? Let me give you this word. Can you stand up? Um, the father said that he told you to put this jacket on at the last second, right before you walked out. Is that true? And he said it's because you carry fire for this house. And uh, you're gonna, he's going to start to ask you to wear red a lot. And I just saw you stewarding fire for this house. Huh? Hearts? Little hearts. Hearts of fire. Uh, Kyle Tinkham, God says that he is fiercely loyal to you. Uh, fiercely, and I heard him, I heard a roar. He's fiercely loyal to you, Kyle. Um, the father said that the prodigals are coming home to Bridgeway. Um, arts and creativity are being released presently right now, and it will manifest in this calendar year, arts and creativity in this house. I saw home groups being multiplied. Uh, the men's retreat was about realignment, and men are stepping into the rightful place of leadership, even in this church. If you're on the men's retreat, please stand up. I want to speak a blessing over you. Will you just open up your hands like a kid? In the name of Jesus, may you walk out what was instilled in you. May you just walk this out. May this church be led by laid down lovers, by men who are passionately in love with Jesus. May men rise to take the rightful place of leadership at Bridgeway in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's awesome. Um, I saw tons of people prayer walking on our property on the cross-country track. A lot of people don't know this, but we have a, a loop around the property. And I know that Dr. Jack prayer walks a lot. A lot of other people do. But I saw lots of people, lots of people just showing up to prayer walk the property. The Father says that the intercession chapel is causing major problems for the enemy, uh, for Greenville, and even for a region. Uh, wealth is coming to Bridgeway to steward what God wants. Uh, God will call some people to write literal million-dollar checks to steward what he wants, not some man-made plan. Uh, God despises disunity. He is removing people who are not on board at Bridgeway with what he wants. And this is what God said. I said that giving would double in 2017, and it has already. That's one of those words when you give it, you get in the car, and you're like, Lord, did you hear what I said? Uh, <laughs> Uh, the father says that this church, and don't clap when I say this because I don't, this isn't my plan. And just, just listen to me. He said the church is about to triple quickly because that's what I want. It's not a man's plan. It's what I want. God said it will be like organized chaos. Uh, we are going to build quickly, not metaphorically. I saw us building, and I saw so many people getting born again and getting uh, baptized in the literal pond. 
it's going to start this spring where I'm just going to I'm just going to stop in the middle of sermons and say some people in here are not born again you want to get born again instead of signing up for some 12 week class to learn something I'm going to throw you in the pond down there and so that's pretty awesome and I want to I want to say these words to the whole church because I want to be held accountable to these words if I wanted to I could give the word about giving doubling in 2017 keep it to myself but when I share it in front of 500 people, that holds me accountable. So if it doesn't come to pass, I want to be held accountable. Because I never want to be a house that takes words lightly. We would never take the word of God lightly. I don't want to take words of knowledge, prophecy, or discernment lightly at all. If we're not careful, charismatics can just get real flippant. And words can really hurt people. Words can also save people's lives. And words can change the direction of a church of a nation language creates culture the language that Abraham Lincoln used created a nation the words are very important so let me just pray over these words and just for this morning the rest of our time together father I don't want one word to come out of my mouth that's not from you not one father we give you this church like that kid that gave Jesus fish and bread you do with it whatever you want. We want to be loose change in your pocket. We love you. We honor you. We thank you. I bless this house with hunger. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was in seminary at Beeson Divinity School... I randomly met a man named Rick Owsley one time. He was a senior pastor of a mega church in Birmingham. I'd never heard of the church. I met him at a place called Gus's Hot Dogs. I've never had a resume in my life. My resume is Abba. And you seek ye first the kingdom, and then all these things get added unto you. So I sit down with this man, and he says, you want to play golf? Well, he didn't know that I played college golf. I was a scratch golfer. And in, in, in ministry, you're used to playing with a lot of guys that honestly are not that good. And I said, sure. He said, do you play much? And I said, I haven't played lately. And I downplayed it. And shot 69 with him that day at a place called the Meadows. And God used a golf game and humor and a conversation. I got offered a job uh, then. It really wasn't fair at all. I didn't deserve to have that job. My wife was on the worship team, very large worship team. She got elevated to uh, be a significant person in that worship ministry and I just I told my dad I said this is so odd this is before we were spirit filled we just figured you know we're going to heaven and hope he doesn't get too mad at us for anything we do wrong down here that was my that's what led to my nervous breakdown at 28 and uh, I said we just don't deserve the favor and when we got on that staff uh, God blessed us and we were able to buy a small house that we got started in and I just thought this is pretty awesome you know I, I get the job before I finish seminary and this is great and I just started thinking I honestly could see myself dying in Birmingham it's an awesome city it's really thriving and this church was amazing God was moving so we moved into the house and we had been there less than a year and I graduated I was getting ready to graduate seminary the next semester and we were off to Pursue our own little Billy Graham movie, if you will. And I woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning. Does God ever wake you up at 3 a.m. to tell you something? Do you ever just want to ask him, do you mind if I sleep three more hours? You can tell me at 6 a.m. 
I don't know if it's a time zone difference in heaven or what's going on up there. Why 3 a.m.? I've asked him a hundred times. He won't, he won't answer me. I'm sure one of you are more spiritual than I am. You can figure it out. And I said, uh-oh. So Wendy woke up and I said, babe, I don't know how to tell you this, but you need to pack this house up. And she said, what do you mean? I said, we moving. We gone. And she said, where are we going? And I said, I have no idea. <laughs> what do you mean? Did you get a job offer? I said, no. God just said that, that we're supposed to leave. See, I told God three things in my life, and I meant it. I'll never pastor a church. I'll never homeschool my own children. And, and I promise you this, I, I'm serious, I will never move back to my own hometown. <laughs> ever. Now I just tell God I will never be a millionaire, ever. <laughs> I said we're moving back to where I grew up, Spartanburg, South Carolina. And we're going to start a ministry called Wayfair, and I'm going to work out of my dad's basement. Four-year undergrad degree, University of Georgia, four-year seminary degree. God tells me to co-found a ministry with another friend of mine, work out of my dad's basement. And it would be three or four years later before we even have clarity on exactly what we were doing. In those early days, people would say, Chad, what are you doing right now? And I said, well, I'm a minister. Are you pastor a church? No. Is it a pair church? Yeah, kind of. So you guys lead a Bible study for 20-somethings in Greenville? Yeah. So you live in Greenville? No. I live in Spartanburg. Why? I don't know. Uh, God made me go back to my own hometown. Well, what, what's he doing with you? You know, I'm not really sure. And I wanted that season. I figured the season would last about a year and a half because I just figured, you know, God only needs about a year and a half to teach me anything. And that year and a half turned into 10 years, turned into 14 years. To where I honestly had 14, 15 years of my life, I didn't have clarity. I had a passion for God, but didn't have clarity. I could, I could tell you up here, I wish I could sit here and say I could over-spiritualize this and maybe talk the way a pastor is supposed to talk and cry a little bit and say it was the greatest grooming season of my life. I hated a lot of it. I'm working in my dad's basement. My dad's basement. I was that guy. They had this dog named Muggsy. Every day I'd go to work in my dad, my mom and dad's basement, and Muggsy would bark at me and foam in the mouth because he hated me. And I would, sometimes I would say, I hate you too, Muggsy. I don't like you. It's that moment where the pet's heads are falling off moment in your life of like, what are we doing? We got no food. We got no jobs. Our pet's heads are falling off. What are we doing? And I would have these people sometimes, you weird charismatics, just before I got spirit-filled, would give me these prophetic words. There's a reason for your season. Sure, there's a devotional called that somewhere. <laughs> Hang in there, little camper. You're going to be fine. On that end of things, I couldn't see what's manifesting now. And I wasn't all Max Licato about it. It's pretty frustrating. It's because I had no revelation that God does not value clarity the way human beings value it. Before God does something significant in someone's life, he typically moves them. But he will move you and get you on the go. Everybody say go. go. He will get you on the go and not give you any no, K-N-O-W. 
Y'all can't handle me over the next 20 minutes. Because I'm about to preach something that I lived, that I am living. Go to Genesis 12, 1 through 3. <laughs> if you ever meet someone that says they don't want their life to be significant, I mean, that's not a common thing. Everybody in here wants your life to be significant. But what we do is we think that significance comes in making our own plans, and we call it wisdom. And I do think we need to make our own plans. But they need to be plans that are given from him, not dreams of our own. And i just be honest, a lot of times, if not most of the time, Christians make plans from an, a posture of fear. But we call it wisdom. And then we tend to look down upon those that we call free-spirited. And typically what God calls a free spirit is someone in his eyes he actually values that he can do something with because it's easier to harness a wild horse than it is to resurrect the dead. And a lot of people make so many plans, God doesn't have a place to land. So what he typically likes to do is he likes to find a, a person wild in their heart towards him and then introduce this strange phenomenon called structure, this odd thing called structure and accountability and then when you get harnessed then you turn into something powerful but the way in which he harnesses us is the prompting that he's doing something and will not give any clarity to match what he's asking you to do Genesis 12 this is, this is in the beginning this is 12 chapters into the whole thing the Lord had said to Abram, let's, start, let's stop right there. This is a polytheistic society. Abram does not know who's talking to him. There's lots of gods back then. And so the Lord does this. The Lord said to Abram, this is before God says, I'm going to make you a, a nation. I mean, when you get to heaven, you're going to meet this guy. He's the father of our faith. You may be a Gentile, but you're grafted into this whole story. It, it starts right here. This is him. God cuts covenant with him. Before the whole story manifests, before there's a family for you to even join thousands of years later, God gives Abram a principle that God has not budged on since then. Abram, leave. Everybody say leave. Leave, leave your country, your people, and your father's household. Okay. Abram, I'm not even going to tell you I'm going to do something great with you. But the first thing I'm going to do is get all static out of your life. God told me in the first service, he doesn't like static. Let's look at the definition of static. What does this even mean? Lacking in movement, action, or change. Synonyms, unchanged, fixed, stable, steady. We tend to, in the West, especially in the church, we're drawn to people that seem to have so much character that are just so steady. There's nothing wrong with being steady. As long as you're being steady in the Father's heart and not your own plans that mimic what the Father wants for you. Let me go slow here. You can step into even character and discipline and those become idols and God have nothing to do with them. And you become so entrenched in even what you believe in your theology, your ideology, even your methodology. And you become so entrenched that God literally cannot move you out of it. I've never seen anyone go to a deep place in God that doesn't travel lightly. That's why he gets 70 men, and he, goes, he says, go into each town. It's not that big a deal. Just heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, and raise the dead. That'd be, that's a fun, I love that. <laughs> and oh yeah, by the way, sorry guys, come back real quick. Don't take anything with you. 
Why does God like for us to travel light? Here it is. It's really simple. He doesn't want anything between us and him. He never wanted Saul to be king, not one time. The father, I promise you, we all have different assignments, the same calling. We all have the same calling. One, I promise you this. The father wants deep friendship with all of us. And so what he'll do is he will even sovereignly initiate chaos in our lives and tell us to leave our country, our people, and the father's household to get away from anything we find security in other than him. A lot of times what we consider the devil's work, it's actually the father's sovereign work. Because he will initiate whatever it takes to get us into a place where it's just us and him. People can find more security in their community than they do the Father's heart, in their job than the Father's heart. It's possible to make your spouse an idol in your life. And there are even times when you're like, what's going on my spouse? My spouse is not loving me the way he or she should. It's because the Father is closing the mouth of the one you're sustaining your life with to get you connected to his mouth, his substance, his milk. We give the enemy way too much credit. Talk about him way too much. Are you kidding me? A lot of people come from prayer. The devil's doing this and the devil's doing that and the devil's doing this. Get a bigger picture of God. Hey, Abram, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to do something awesome with you. As a matter of fact, I'm about to tell you soon. Look up into the sky. You're going to see all these stars. Those are your kids. Abram has no clue what God's talking about. He doesn't even know God. God initiates. But we all know the story of Isaac, and he takes Isaac up to the altar, but it all started before Isaac. It started with Abram leaving everything he knew. He had nothing in his pockets. Here I am. I'm reading a book on the Toronto outpouring right now, June 20th, 1994. Uh, God woke me up at 2.30 in the morning. That was interesting. That's the first time ever at 2.30. Last Sunday night, and started talking to me about it. And so I couldn't go back to sleep, so I went to the gym at five and then i went to go uh get some food cook breakfast for the kids and wendy on monday morning and i was at the egg aisle at 6 a.m at bilo and i started crying and i said i want you on your terms whatever it looks like i don't care and he said i've been waiting 16 years for you to tell me that i left what was comfortable in birmingham to come to a place i didn't want to come to in spartanburg i left my theology of what i used to have six years after that there are stages of things we have to leave sometimes it's literal physical locations sometimes it's friendships god hates idols he doesn't want anything in our lives that keep us from being fully connected to him and what i have left and this won't be the last time what i've left recently is this to be honest after given that vision of where the church is going in the next hundred years What's a lot easier is just to pastor a thousand people, us stay pure, us grow in God. Let's grow into the image of Jesus. Let me get to know everyone in here. I probably over a period of three or four years can get to know everyone. It's more comfortable that way. But the truth is God's calling me to a vision that I don't know how to accomplish and it's stretching more than I've ever been stretched. People have left our church since I gave that vision because they don't want to be a part of something big like that. They want it to be more cozy. I get it. I get it. I understand it. Chad, who do you think you are? Talking about Bridgeway University. It's not my idea. For me and for you. I'm going to make it so plain. You have to hire someone to help you misunderstand it. God doesn't like for you to ever intentionally or unintentionally get into a static place in your life. 
So what he will do is woo us out of the land in which we are comfortable with to get us into a place where we say, Daddy, help. You see, we think that it's, it's, a, it's a lack of competency to say, Daddy, help. Has it ever occurred to you that God can make you a millionaire in your business if you will learn to say, Daddy, help? How many of you feel stuck in your business right now? Okay. I'm not trying to be funny with what I'm about to say. The Holy Spirit told me this a couple of weeks ago. I was in my closet looking for shoes. When you need help, ask for the helper. That's deep. A lot of people don't receive help from the helper because they don't ask for it. We think that the goal of my life is to look smarter than I really am, stand up straighter, be stronger. It was so funny the other night. One of my friends, Shauna Keys, made a comment, and she didn't even realize what she was saying. And I thought, that, that is so how it is in the real world, yet the enemy convinces us that it's different. We were talking about just how some guys walk into the room, they have a just, they're literally perfect. They look like the guy off of uh, 300 or whatever. And Shauna just made a glancing comment. She's like, you know, I just don't like perfect, something like that. And that's the only moment in my life. I just felt like Rocky Balboa in one moment of like, <laughs> wait a minute. We, we're, we're built to believe. Be a self-sustaining man. Be successful. Build your own career. Get your own degrees. When the truth is, God will initiate things in your life where you're a little bit scared. Will you say, Daddy, help. Will you please help me? God loves when we call out for help because it's a posture of humility. But if you make too many plans on your own, you're following a spirit, but it's a religious spirit, not the Holy Spirit. Because a religious spirit seeks to find your comfort in the things you can control. And so we control things, and they mimic the God lifestyle. You can have the character of Joseph and not know the Father. I want the character of Joseph and know the Father. I really do want to be loose change in this pocket to where it's like, okay, Father, I do want to make plans for my life that you give me, but I don't want to make them from a stance of worry. You see, in Matthew 6, he says this, do not worry, 634, yeah, do not worry about tomorrow. He doesn't say do not plan for tomorrow. But he does say, do not worry about tomorrow. Most of us make plans with the posture of worry. I have to plan this because what if this happens? What if that happens? What if this happens? What you're really saying is I still live in Lodibar. I don't know the father. I'm not sitting at the table with him. So Abram, your great, 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 great grandfather, Jesus comes through his lineage. He only has to do a couple things. No big deal. Leave your country. Leave your people. Leave your father's household. And here's the best part of the whole thing. Look at the end of verse 1. And go to the land Uh, That I'll show you. Don't miss that. Here's the way we're wired. You can have it all, God. But I ain't leaving here. Oh, God, I give you my life, but I will not go anywhere but right here. Oh, God, I will step out like Simon Peter on the rocky waves of life as long as you tell me where I'm going. He said, Abram, no big deal. Just leave everything you've ever known and go to the land in which I'll show you. And Abram's like, awesome, this is a God moment. Wait a minute, where are we going? Where'd you say we're going? He could be so chatty and he could be so silent at the same time. It's like a healthy marriage. There's sometimes communication is awesome in marriage and you're on the same page. And then it's like, you can't agree that, uh, on what color this thing is. <laughs> Excuse me, God. I just, I never heard of you until today. Um, so you, you want me to leave it? Um, where are we going? Crickets. 
he is the lead dancer in this dance, and he gets called shots however he wants to. And I, this isn't prophetic. This, some of y'all need to write this down and stare at it, memorize it. He didn't value clarity then, and he doesn't value it now. If you're obsessed with clarity, Houston, we got a problem. And I ain't talking about Josh and Laura. I'm talking about Houston, we got a problem. At the very end, Simon Peter says, um, so you're just on the cross, and now you're resurrected, this is, and you just told John something. Uh, where, is he, where are you sending him? Where are you sending me? We've been together for three years. I, need, you know, I, need, I just read Maxwell's book on clarity of vision, God. And you know what Jesus' answer to, uh, to uh, Simon is? Don't worry about John. Well, where am I going? And this is the Lord's answer. When you get old, they're going to drag you where you don't want to go. When you were young, you did whatever you wanted to do. You can have some of me. Here I am, Father, but I ain't leaving. Send him. Send him. Here I am, God. Use me to change the world. Send that guy, though. Do you know how silly it is to find more security in even your own hometown, your own house, your own community? You ain't from here. You're not even from here. Some people get outside Greenville and it's like they start shaking like a leaf. This is not your home. The Father's heart is your home. You know, Bono sang a famous song. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Most Christians are the same way. You can even get to Jesus and not find what you're looking for if the path to Jesus doesn't take you to the Father. You only find home when you find home in the Father's heart. That's when people are getting laid off left and right beside you in your company that hasn't done that in 15 years. If you start falling apart like a leaf, here's what you're saying. I don't know Papa. Because when you find him and you seek him first, your home is in his heart. It's not even about heaven itself. It's about the one who created heaven. Bono sang about it, and we sing that thing because most of us still feel like nomads. Even though we got the ticket, we're going to heaven. We feel like nomads wanderers when we don't find our home in the Father's heart. But when you find your home in the Father's heart, you can sleep in rocking boats. You can relax, and the joy of the Lord is your strength. But you know what we do? We tend to celebrate people that are just so strong and looking like they have their act together. A lot of people that look like they have their act together are overcompensating for what they don't have with the Father. Be careful who you call a free spirit. Let me tell you something. A structured, disciplined, free spirit, mm, God, God, will, God will really help a lot of people through that person. A free spirit who can submit... Man, all of a sudden, I just saw in the spirit. I just saw this place. I literally just saw the, the church. It just tripled, just exploded. I just saw it just now. The Father's moving here. You want to know why? Because people are hungry for who he really is. When, when I was at the egg aisle, I just said, I don't care what it looks like. He even uh, showed me a picture. He said, what if your sermons for 10 weeks is all you did was interview people and they gave their interviews? I said, I don't care. I don't have a template. I just know I don't want to stay where I am if he's not there. And where I currently am of what he's called me to do, he's moving on from where I currently am. He has another dream in his, in his mind. I've had dreams about this university. I've seen this big thing called BridgeFit. I've, I've seen all this other stuff. The easy thing to do is just to say, well, God, can't we just do a 30-year plan? If I'm incompatible with God, I'm in big trouble because he doesn't change. God, even right now, for the father of this house, is nudging me out of a nest that I've become comfortable with. But I want to be where he is. My wife said at a staff meeting three months ago, 
She's already had a time where she grieved what we will have to give up here one day. We don't even know what that means when she said that. We could die here. We don't know. But things are changing so fast, even our role. We, the only thing normal in life is that little button on a, on a washer machine. That's it. That's the only thing. If you find any security in what you're doing right now, you've already missed it. I love what Moses said. He's like, look, I don't want to go to Pharaoh. I can't even talk. And he goes to Pharaoh and all this weird stuff happens. And then God says, come on, you're going to the promised land. And Moses stops one day and he snaps. And he says, I'm going to say one thing. As long as that cloud goes with me, I'll go. But if you don't go, I am not going. You, you focus on the cloud. You focus on the cloud. But I'm just telling you, I don't mean to be the bearer of bad news. That cloud never sits still. God is a power walker. On Sunday, let's just be honest, sometimes you want to eat a meal with a lot of carbohydrates and just sit in a chair for four hours and take that nap in front of whatever you're watching, especially in weather like this, open the door. God is a very active God. Israel didn't become a nation until 1948. <laughs> they, were, they were nomadic till 1948. God's covenant people are always on the move. I met a couple this morning from Charlotte. When they said they'd been in the same church for 10 years, he was just staring at me. He's like, you preached it just for me. And I said, I know it seems that way. That's for all of us. What am I trying to say? I have two minutes, and I want to close with 1 Samuel 9 really briefly. This is really funny. This is before Saul is going to get anointed king. 1 Samuel 9, verse 3. Uh, I'm going to go over about three minutes. Now the donkeys belonging to Saul's father, Kish, were lost lost. Uh, read that verse in the King James. Have a good laugh. Do it with your kids tomorrow at devotional time at the uh, breakfast table. Now the donkeys belonging to Saul's father Kish were lost. And Kish said to his son Saul, take one of the servants with you and go look for the donkeys. Just a great verse. Get your four-year-old to memorize that verse in the King James. He'll love church. Um, some of you right now on your phones are looking this up in the King James. I can feel it. So he passed through the hill country of Ephraim and through the area, Shalisha, but they did not find them. Here's what God showed me on a plane going to England two weeks ago. Saul thought he was looking for donkeys. He wasn't looking for donkeys. God had to shoo him out of the shire. He had to get him out of the shire to bump into Samuel. We pray this, Father, if it be thy will, which makes me want to vomit. Stop praying that. Father, if it be thy will, then you come to me like Gandalf does in, in the movie. <laughs> Only one time Jesus goes to heal someone in the New Testament that didn't, that didn't come to him. Look at me. Who knew? One time. The man sick, paralyzed 38 years. All the other thousands of times, they came to him. God has to shoo you out of your comfort zone. You think you're looking for donkeys. You don't even know what you're doing. You feel like you're in a season. You, can't, you don't have clarity on anything. And you can't even find the donkey. And it can't even be a show horse. It's not even a pretty animal. It's a jackass. You're looking for a donkey. You're walking around looking for a donkey. You can't find the donkey. And all of a sudden, you think you're just wandering. Nope. God had to kick you out of your comfort zone. And then this happens. Then this happens. When they reached the district of Zuf, Saul said to the servant who was with him, Come, let us go back. My father's going to stop thinking about the donkeys and wondering where we are. But the servant replied, Look, in this town there is a man of God. His name is Samuel. They just happened to wander into the town where Samuel was. 
Who went to who? God shooed Saul, and I do think it's prophetic that it was a donkey for Saul's life. God shooed Saul out of his comfort zone looking for donkeys, and he just happened to bump into Samuel. Here's the whole point of the whole thing. You better get moving. And there's two ways you can move. Father, I'll move from any theology, any mentality, any job, anything. I'm all yours. I'm loose change in your pocket, whatever you want. You can do it that way, or he can do it without your cooperation. I'd choose A. It's like, hey, you want $100 or a million dollars? I got to pray, I got to pray, I got to pray. Choose a million. There's two ways you can be humbled in the kingdom. Humble yourself or he'll humble you. Hey, I want to be the first in line to say, listen, I'm sorry. Get moving. Some of you need to get moving. Some of you need to move on from past relationships that the Father has told you to move on from from two years. You find more security in their affirmation of you than what the Father is saying. Some people in here are actually being called to leave their literal jobs. It's not because you've done anything wrong. The grace is leaving. The cloud is moving on. You better go with the cloud. You know how many people have moved to Bridgeway and they still don't know why? If you're one of them, raise your hands. You move from another state, city. I meet people every week. Where are you from? Uh, up north. I understand why you came down here. It's cold all the time. What, do you know why you're here? No. We just know God told us to move. Holy hunch. Holy hunch. Move on holy hunches. All right, let's stand up. That was a good sermon. Come ask the prayer service to come forward. If you feel stuck in a rut and that God is wooing you out of your rut, come down front right now. Come on. And it's not three or four. There's a bunch in here. There's nothing to be ashamed of. You ever been on a slip and slide before where it's just really easy? God is, is amazing at this. With him, just one turn towards him and all of a sudden your rut turns into a slip and slide. You gone. Boom. Gone. It's just grace. Look at this. This is awesome. This is awesome. Some of you may feel like you're looking for donkeys right now. You're actually on a journey initiated by God himself. I'm going to speak a blessing over you that have come forward. And then if you need prayer for anything this morning, including this, we'd love for prayer service to pray for you. Will you open up your hands? May you choose courage over clarity. May you invite grace to get on your slip and slide. And may you go, may you get out of this rut, not on your own strength, but on his grace. May you have your encounter with your Samuel. May this be the season that the rut is over. Turn, go, leave. May you mimic your great, 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 great grandfather. May you mimic the faith that he showed. Go in Jesus' name. God bless. Have a great week.